Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before the episode, we want to let you know about a new movie coming out that we think you might love. Now on digital, Christoph Waltz, Vanessa Redgrave, and Annette Benning star in the murderously thrilling Georgetown. Based on incredible true events, a smooth-talking social climber comes under investigation when his wealthy, well-connected older wife turns up dead in their home, uncovering a deception greater than you can imagine. I watched the trailer, and it looks like every single thing that I love about movies. Uh, It's also directed by Christoph Waltz, so I'm super excited to see this. You can buy or rent Georgetown and watch it tonight. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. And if you head to Instagram.com slash SartorialGeek, you'll have the chance to win a couple digital copies. So head there and we hope you enjoy Georgetown. This episode is sponsored by Galaxy Gear Boutique. Galaxy Gear Boutique creates clothing that is out of this world. Everything is 100% handmade by Amber. You can get things that are already made like infinity scarves and head wraps and scrunchies, or you can order fandom clothing that is 100% made to order. Amber also recently launched Nebula Niceties, which is pop culture and bookish merchandise for all. You can follow them both at Galaxy Gear Boutique and at Nebula Niceties LLC to get the fandom merch of your dreams. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Denae, and I am here today with Jonathan Hedrick. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Jordan? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, we're here to talk about your comics, which I'm really excited to, to chat about. You have a couple different series going on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I stay busy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good thing. <laughs> First, we can talk about you have one that is going to be a Kickstarter that is probably happening right now at the time that this episode comes out. Yeah, what's that one about? Yeah, so my uh, latest Kickstarter is for a new series I have coming called Quicksand, which I'm really excited about because it's something I've kind of been rolling around in my head for a couple of years, and I really wanted to do this one, and I finally found like the right artist for it. And it's also me dabbling in sci-fi, um, which I haven't done. You know, After all the different titles I've worked on, I don't have multiple titles really in the same genre, per se. So this is my like sci-fi horror series. And um, to give you a kind of a quick elevator pitch, it's about this hole that opens up in the ground uh, near the pyramids in Egypt. And these uh, monsters start pouring out and attack a nearby city. And they retreat just as quickly as they arrived. And then leaders around the world are like, what? just happened we need to prepare for this in case it happens again and they send these like elite scientists and experts down into that hole almost like reverse astronauts and they disappear they never come back so what the series is going to focus on is you know the wife of one of those members and how she's trying to figure out like the mystery of what's going on down there why hasn't my husband returned and 
I'm, I'm trying not to give away too much because it's uh, I'm a big uh, cliffhanger junkie. <laughs> so like, all of my issues typically in a series ends on a cliffhanger. I, I just like that, especially as a reader, too. So I'm really excited about people being able to introduce quicksand to people. So if they're listening to this, if you could go to Kickstarter and, and check it out, I'd appreciate it. That sounds so awesome. I like Thank you. everything you said was not what I was expecting that makes sense <laughs> to be, which is so cool. <laughs> is the Kickstarter for the first issue or a couple issues or it's just it for issue one, uh twenty two pages, full color. So it's a great jumping on point. You know, it's an issue one. Uh gonna have a bunch of cool different uh covers for those collectors out there. I have the artist, her name's Deborah Lanchanese. She's from Italy. And she's just as psyched about this project as I am, which is great to have as a you know writer artist relationship. And I'll pay her for five pages, and then she'll come back and give me ten pages. I'm like, what? <laughs> because she's just so excited to move forward with it. And then um, I brought back my colorist uh, that I worked before on a couple other projects, uh, Sunil Gogger, and a letterer named Christian Dokolomansky, who I've also worked before. And what's really cool, and I mentioned this in my Kickstarter video, all four of us are in different continents. Whoa, that's awesome. Multiple times I've worked with people in different countries, but not one. This is the first time it's been four continents to make one comic book. I'm kind of proud about that. Being able to do this online and not be in the same room with uh, someone. It, it's just really neat. It, it kind of it kind of tells you how far we've come in making comics, especially, you know, the indie world of comic books. That's so cool. That's one of my favorite things about comics. Like some people do everything themselves, but usually comics are like a combination of a lot of different creatives working together. And I think that's so awesome. And four different continents. That's so wild. Yeah, and it's perfect for the story. You know, the the story has huge global impacts, you know, within it. So it's very fitting. I can't get enough of it. That's so awesome. So that's a Kickstarter for issue one. And then you have two other series ongoing right now? Yeah, so I have um, The Recount, which is kind of like, lack of better words, claim to fame. And I mean that in the most humble way. The Recount is at Scout Comics. The fourth issue is on sale... May 12th, so maybe people, depending on when this airs, can go grab that. And it's the last issue of the first volume. And I, I say that because I don't have the second volume ready yet. It has a an ending, but there is more planned for the recount. But um, that series is a, a political thriller, and it's about this president, this fictional president who gets assassinated by someone in his Secret Service detail. And then the conspirators come out quickly afterwards and announce to the public that they're not done yet. They're going to go after anyone who put this president into power, including the people who voted for him. And they encouraging the people that are against that president to go after one another. So it has a very like uh, purge type of feel to it. That's the vibe from I was <laughs> I'm looking at uh all the covers on Scout's website right now and like it yeah. feels very <laughs> purgy. So like yeah. anyone who's into that vibe, I feel like this is the story for you. 
Yeah, people have told me it's, it's a, a little too grounded to reality for them, especially it came out at a very ironic time, which was not intended. I've been saying from the get-go, even in my pitch to Scout, that this is not an agenda book. This doesn't lean to one side or the other. I am very apolitical myself, so I'm not smart enough to even write a political, you know, agenda-based book. So if anyone is concerned that it's trying to, you know, sway people in one team or the other, it's not. This is purely entertainment. It was a lot of pain to make sure that things weren't relatable to the real world. Like no character looks like any real politician. The words Republican and Democrat are never used. So um, people can really have some fun with this. Like if you like Jack Ryan, 24, those type of um, espionage style stories, then this might be for you. And that's kind of nice too, because political dramas and like, you know, these types of stories are super interesting. And like, they make a lot of sense because that is so tied to real life. But it's also really cool to have a story that isn't (laughs) Like it isn't tied to like American politics. I think that's really smart to have it be a story that stands on its own and isn't like you have to follow a certain path to like the end of the story. Yeah, that would just alienate, you know, half an audience right there. So I didn't want to go into it with that. I just wanted people to kind of form their own opinions. And which is really neat. I've had people on you know, different sides of the aisle, I guess you would say, come up to me and think that it leans towards right. what they think. <laughs> and like, if you say so, but <laughs> I find it really cool that people have dug deep into it, which is great. That's what's part of the fun of making comic books is when people can get more out of it beyond just reading those two dozen pages or whatever, when they close it and it, the book up and they slide it back into that bag and board. And they can think about it further. You know, it continues some thought. I get more out of a book that way. It means yeah. a lot more to me. And that's a testament to like how well you did what you set out to do, which is like if you have people from all political backgrounds that are like, I think I know what this is. <laughs> it's all opposite ideas. That's great. Yeah, it, it's entertaining for me. I'm like, yeah, go for it. I mean, <laughs> if you think that it's like that, I compare comic books to music a lot. You know, I can't tell you how many times I thought, you know, the lyrics were such and such. And then I finally see the lyrics and I'm like, whoa, all this time <laughs> I thought it was something else and it meant something else to me. So yeah, that's the, what um, art is in a nutshell. You know, just take it for what you want it to be and enjoy it for that. And that's really great too, that that's like to have that be part of your story is that, you know, there's not only one way to read it or there's not only one way to enjoy it. And that's how, yeah, more people can get into it, which is awesome. Absolutely. And then you have Freak Show Night at Second Sight Publishing. Right. Yeah. Freak Show Night, that's a one shot that's contained in a larger universe that I'm slowly building called the Freak Show Kingdom, which is made up of all one shot stories that are kind of have a common thread between them. You don't have to have read them in any particular order. They're just have like a slight novelty to each other if you've read them all of them 
yeah, Freak Show Night that came out uh, a couple months ago with Second Sight, but I kickstarted that last year. It got picked up, which was really cool because I had like a bunch of books come out through Diamond in like one small uh, period. Yeah, that's super exciting. It was like, wait, I went from just being a crowdfunding guy to actually being in Diamond, having six books in a row. Wow. But um, Freak Show Night, I really enjoyed that one, particularly because I wrote that one with the main character being based off of my father, who has the same name. The The character's name is Red. And um, he is someone who was in and out of prison for most of his life. And then he gets out of prison and now there's this zombie apocalypse going on. And it's almost like he's continuing to be in prison, even though he's outside of the walls. I think what I like the most about the zombie genre, and a lot of people think it's played out or, you know, they either like zombies or they don't like zombies, but there's so much storytelling that can be done in layers through the zombie, you know, there's just the metaphors are, some of them are quite obvious and some of them are a little bit deeper than that. I've always loved the, you know, Night of the Living Dead movies and obviously The Walking Dead was phenomenal. That's what I'm trying to do with the Freak Show Kingdom is just have these one shots annually while opening it up to some uh, other creators to write their own stories within the Freak Show Kingdom. Like my buddy, David Galliano, who wrote Savage Bastards for Mad Cave, he wrote an eight page story called The Freak Show Jester, which was a add on, I'm sorry, a stretch goal ash can that was released during that uh, Kickstarter. So I'm going to slowly build up this uh, larger interwoven story through me telling some of it and other creators too. So it's going to take some time, but it's, uh, you know, after a few years, I think there'll be a a lot of stories to be um, collected together. That's like my favorite kind of projects. I love like collaborative things and that's such a cool way to set that up. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, anthologies, you know, that you get a combination of different writing styles, different art styles, and there's not this long serial type of um, story that you have to go on for years and years and years, which, you know, sometimes that's fun with different comic books and television series that we've fallen in love with over time. But sometimes you just kind of want to dip your toe in the water and then dip it, you know, pull it back out and you know, revisit another time. And that's what's great about anthologies and one shots. Do you have the universe like kind of figured out? Or are you sort of figuring out as you go of like what types of stories would be included? A little bit of both. For the ones I'm going to write, I have a few of those already outlined in my head. But when it comes to the other creators joining, I'm just going to kind of give like a little bit of a, a foundation for them to work upon. And there's just a few rules, but without having them to be forced to be written in a a corner or anything like that. That's so cool. Have you been in comics for a long time or is this... Because it sounds like a lot of these are like pretty new projects. Yeah, I've been creating for just two years now. Wow. Yeah, but I've been... I keep myself pretty busy. I I wouldn't recommend it to anyone new (laughs) to take on this many projects at once. But I've been just fortunate enough that things kind of fell into place with just the way I can have the the ability to produce the scripts while still having the funding to make them. Because not everyone is as fortunate as that because making comics is not cheap, especially when you're doing it from the, the writer's chair. We tend to have to take on like a producer role as well. 
but prior to me actively making comic books, I was always a, a collector and reader. I wanted to be involved in comic books somehow, it, even if it could just be me mopping a local comic book shop's floor at night. And yeah, I, I totally get that. <laughs> just wanted to be paid through via comic books somehow. And, you know, lo and behold, I became a writer with you know a few published works in a short amount of time. So it's really been a blessing and I can't believe it. I got to pinch myself constantly. Yeah, congratulations. That's so exciting to have so many published stories. Like, I mean, I know how hard it is to be published and especially in that short of an amount of time. That's so exciting. Yeah, everything fell into place and I'm just really fortunate to be where I am. Is it hard? I know you said like you wouldn't recommend this necessarily. Is it hard to keep track of like three kind of pretty different stories at the same time? It is. You know, I, I have a spreadsheet for my spreadsheets yeah, <laughs> to right. keep track of everything. <laughs> my main concern with all of this is to make sure the people that I commission for this work is that they're being paid appropriately. I'm not falling behind on that. Budgeting almost takes as much of my time as it does me carving out, you know, increments to write as well. So yeah, I don't want to be that kind of writer where, you know, I hire someone out and they they're chasing me after the money. So no, I wish more people like took that as seriously. That's a huge deal. Especially creatives get taken advantage of all the time. And I'm sure as a writer, you know, you understand that. So that's really, really great. I've been burned too. You know, I've definitely sent some PayPal money out there and never got the product back, but you live and learn. And it's so important to network indie comic books now because you might be skeptical about someone and then you can kind of ask someone else if they've ever worked with them and, you know, get their opinions, you know, almost like a, a Yelp review. Yeah. And on the other side of that, that's a good uh, reason to always treat people well because everyone knows each other. And uh... yes, it's surprising. It, it's like a little big community. There's like a small degree of separation between people. Yeah. I know you're talking about networking right now. And if this is like too much pressure, <laughs> don't worry about it. But if you could give advice to someone who kind of feels the same way that they want to be involved in comics somehow, do you have a piece of advice for someone who's interested in getting into the industry? Yeah. Well, I guess it would depend on what their skill set is. But um I would begin with telling them to make sure you learned a few other areas besides just comics, like um, study up on marketing, budgeting, and make sure you're reading comic books too. Make sure you know what's going on in the stores right now. Follow other creators. You don't have to necessarily like what they're coming out with, but follow them on their social media and see how they post and how they interact with people because that goes a long way. I've seen some creators where admired their work, but how they are on social media is a little not to my liking. And you can learn a lot from that. And then you can see how other creators, how if they respond or not respond to people. That was so important, but it is, especially nowadays when, you know, people can see almost everything you do online. <laughs> that is a, a part of it now. You have to make time for that to be online and communicate and network with on your, the different platforms. So get involved with that and um, hone your craft. Make sure you're taking time for that too. That's really solid advice. I think that's like a perfect ending. 
speaking of, you know, being online, where can people follow you? I know you mentioned the Kickstarter, but where are you online for people who want to follow your work? I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So follow me on any one of those three. And Is it just your name? Yeah. If you type in my name, uh, you'll come across me in the searches. But uh, my handles for Twitter and Instagram is my name, but without the vowels. Sweet. <laughs> so Jonathan Hedrick without the vowels. But luckily, the algorithms will figure that out if you don't want to do that sobriety test of trying to take the, <laughs> the vowels And we'll out. link in the show notes too. So that'll make it easy for people. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to chat with you. Um, I hope your Kickstarter goes really well. And it's so exciting that you have all these stories being published right now. So congratulations. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Sweet. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the Sartorial Geek podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review or head to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek. Thank you so much. Have a great day.